Hi everyone, welcome to After Dark Analysis. Today's episode is going to be on the theories about what horror does to us on a psychological and physiological level and how that feeds into people's like or dislike of it. We are actually going to have to start all the way back with Aristotle. Well, yes, obviously Aristotle was not shilling out watching the new slasher. Scary literature did exist at the time, and he was more theorizing on people just seeming to like the idea of being scared. He theorized that horror and being scared was this purge of emotion that would lead to this catharsis and make people feel better. This is underscored by the excitation transfer theory by Dolph Zillman. The belief is the negative feelings we feel during a horror movie intensify the positive feelings we feel when it's done. There are a lot of differing theories as to why our brain does this and why this is. Noel Carell, a film scholar, theorized that horror is a mixture of fear and disgust. That's what we build our monsters off of. If you look at something like Dracula, it's a very sexualized thing he's doing with the bite on the neck and the blood coming out and there's a whole mass of color theory about what the color red symbolizes, especially when it comes to blood. So it's a way for people to kind of look at and deal with budding sexuality in a safer way. He theorizes this is because our id is using disgust to realize some deeper desire we have that it's trying to hide from the superego. So the id can just tell the superego, oh no, it's cool, we're just watching a movie. If you look at the makeup of most horror movie monsters, they have sharp teeth or snake-like appearances, these are predators that threatened our existence back when we were hunter-gatherers. While there isn't much need for it now, we still have those back-brain triggers that trigger that fight-or-flight response. And fight-or-flight is exactly what it sounds like. You are either going to fight the big bad or you're going to run away from it. People that couldn't run fast enough or defeat it died and didn't pass on their genes. So even though we don't need it as much, our brain still likes to use it and uses horror as a trigger for it. This takes a serious turn when we look at human beings as monsters. Look at somebody like Hannibal Lecter. Had he not had that issue with wanting to kill and eat people, he would be the exact person you'd want in your inbox on Plenty of Fish. So while we've evolved and made the monster more intelligent, more cunning, it still taps into that primal, I don't want to die, Freud referred to this idea as the uncanny. Again, it's thoughts and desires that the id recognizes, but they're being suppressed by the superego. Carl Jung thought it was more of a collective subconscious. Look at things like shadows. How often do we use darkness in a horror film to have our big bad hiding in? Safe to say a lot of people have a fear of the dark. While calling it a fear of the dark is a little bit of a misrepresentation though, because most people probably aren't afraid of what the dark is. They understand it's just you can't see good, but that taps into a fear of what's in the darkness. So in reality, you're afraid of what's in the dark, not the darkness itself. A predator can come up and attack you and you wouldn't even see it coming, so you might not have time to defend yourself. And that's a realistic fear. Christoph Koch theorized that the amygdala is activated when we're afraid. This is why we respond more to images of animals than people, places, or things, which are much more rational fears for us to have. Thomas Strobe conducted a study 
that showed it might actually not be the amygdala being activated, but instead four other parts of the brain that are triggered by horror. The first is the visual cortex, which processes visual information, the insular cortex, which is responsible for our self-awareness, the thalamus, which is a relay between our brain's right and left hemisphere, and the dorsal medial prefrontal cortex. This is responsible for planning, attention, and problem solving. Many have theorized that movies are very close to being in a dreamlike state. The issue with this is we're still not 100% sure why we dream. Ernest Hartman theorizes that dreams are guided by emotions and it's our way of dealing and working out the everyday in a place that we know is okay to do so. Glenn D. Walters proposes that for a horror film to be effective, it has to have three things. Tension, relevance, and a level of unrealism. Tension's pretty straightforward, but let's focus it on relevance. There are four different types that you can have. Universal, which is something like death or the unknown that crosses cultural barriers and almost everybody has. Cultural, which deals with societal issues. Subgroups like teens. How many times have we seen 20-something-year-olds or high school students go into a cabin in the woods? Or personal, where you identify with the protagonist or you condemn the actions of the antagonist so heavily you root for them to be destroyed. For unrealism, we have a couple of different ways horror constantly reminds us it's not real. When we're talking about a film, it's multiple camera angles because most of the time, if it's a documentary, it's only going to be one person and one shot recording. This was shown in a study done in 1994 by Haight, Macaulay, and Rosen. They had a group of people watch violent documentaries and they couldn't finish, but they could go see a horror movie and see much more atrocious acts performed on screen because they knew it wasn't real. It was those camera angles. It's the soundtrack that backs films. Most people don't run around with a full orchestra behind them. There's also this sense of black humor or very, very dark humor in horror films where they break that tension for a storytelling element, but it's also a callback and a wink to the audience going, no, yeah, this isn't real. Because as a species, we're curious. We like to see things that exist outside the norm that we can't necessarily do in our everyday lives. That's why you have people skydiving and roller coasters and horror films are just a different end of that. This is why Somebody like Deirdre D. Johnson noticed there are different types of viewers. There are four main categories when it comes to horror. The gore watcher, which has low empathy, but they have high sensation seeking, and they identify with the killer. There is the thrill watcher, who has high empathy towards the characters, again, high sensation seeking, and, but they identify with the intended victim. So they want to follow our hero through the destruction of the big bad. There's the independent watcher who has high empathy and a positive outlook on the story. And the problem watcher who has high empathy but doesn't think things are gonna end that well. Like our hero doesn't defeat the big bad. This is also why we've seen in studies that horror fans are slightly more cool with people violating the norm of society, which is a bit of a paradox because in horror, we still have this very puritanical rule set 
i.e. the virgin lives. People that don't drink and don't smoke are probably going to make it through. Some feel this proves the dispositional alignment theory, which is basically feeling like those that got killed deserved it. Which horror is really good at making us feel because it tends to play off very strongly held societal fears. Look at the 1950s. We had Atomic Age movies. Our big fear was nuclear monsters because we thought we were going to get blown up. In the 60s, we had Night of the Living Dead and zombies because we were afraid of Vietnam. In the 80s, we got more of that boom of people in their early 20s, teens, dealing with these monsters. And normally, it was a big distrust of authority. Nightmare on Elm Street's a perfect example of this because none of that would have happened had the Elm Street parents not set everything in motion. The distrust of authority could have very much stemmed from the Watergate scandal. In the 90s, we got more human-based, realistic, everyday monsters because the cultural feeling at the time was the audience was slightly more jaded and could connect to that more. In the early 2000s, we've seen zombies come back in the form of like The Walking Dead because we have very real fears of viral pandemics. And speaking of society, certain gender roles are reinforced when we watch a horror movie. Researchers Zillman, Weaver, Mundoff, and Oss came up with the gender socialization theory, aka the snuggle theory. Basically what happens is they showed adolescent boys a film while they sat next to a girl who was a research plant. The boy enjoyed it more when his female counterpart was scared. The converse of that is the girls that were participated in the study did not like it when the male plant showed fear. So while the film itself wasn't necessarily reinforcing any stereotypes, the watching it and the act of the socialization that happened did. Boys should be brave, girls should be scared. Our enjoyment of horror is also influenced by our need for affect. Affect is how much we seek emotion. If we have a higher need for affect, we probably like horror more. It's also been shown people that are highly empathetic tend not to like horror quite as much. It could be because they feel a little too connected and it's a little too much for them. The interesting thing and studies between people that like horror and avoid horror, it seems like they didn't actually have different fear levels during the movie when the scary things were happening. The horror seekers got joy from the fear they felt. The horror avoiders didn't get joy from that fear, but they did feel good after everything had been resolved and it happened. Which again plays into, we can work things out when we have this reality check of, hey, this isn't real. So what do you think? Do you feel like one of these theories describes why you like horror? Or do you think everything's totally off base and you have a totally different reason? Let me know in the comments below. And as always, if you like what you're seeing, please hit like, comment, subscribe. If you don't like what you're seeing, leave a comment let me know. Thank you.
Hi everyone, After Dark Analysis here. Today we're going to be talking about what horror films do to us on a psychological and biological level, and why we seem to enjoy them and what they do to us. And those are some theories on what horror does to us on a physiological and psychological level, and why some people like it and why some people don't. 